You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. This is the Thunder Quack Podcast. The official podcast of Thunder Quack Podcast Network where anything can happen. So strap yourselves in and hold on to your butts. It's Thunderquack time! Hello and welcome back to the Thunderquack podcast, the official podcast of Thunderquack.com, which you can get early every Tuesday over at patreon.com slash thunderquack, just like our Patreon producers, Brian Murowski and JJ Samuel do. Or you can wait and get it late every Friday on podcast services across the galaxy. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen. And I'm your other host, Amanda Konkin. Uh, And we're back. Last week, we had our first episode of Metaphysical Fiction. Uh, So I hope everybody enjoyed that. Um, Well, actually, we're going to have like another episode real quick uh, this coming week. Um, I, cause Carl wanted to record another one, uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, and, and then on the schedule, you'll actually get two more in May. So we're like this first month, you guys are going to get a lot of them, but, uh, but it'll be every four weeks. Um, you'll get an off the record next week as well for, for Patreon supporters that, uh, that are supporting at $5 or above, but, uh, but yeah, we've got a lot of stuff coming your way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I like I like that there is more content than ever with me having to do less than ever. So <laughs> I appreciate it, Mike. Yeah, I figured you um, would you would I know. be down with that. It's nice. Um, I like it. Yeah, I uh, but I uh, we we've we, you've been off for a week. I have. I yeah. I and some stuff has happened in that time. I watched the Mighty Ducks, so we're gonna talk Woo-hoo. about that. But let's uh, let's first let's talk about let's talk about that scene that we got from uh, from the new Ghostbusters movie. You know the Ghostbusters movie that we should have already seen. Yes, uh, yes. three times over, <laughs> um, and uh, and hopefully we will get to see. Actually, I'm very it's it's November, so I'm very confident that we'll get to see Ghostbusters in November. I don't think it'll get pushed again, um, barring you know the 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 virus mutating and uh, vaccines not working and yeah and everything going all to hell but i i i i highly doubt that that's going to be the case um uh, i'm just not ruling it out (laughs) yeah 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 basically but i uh yeah so we got we got this this scene uh which is just i it's it's interesting to me because it's like, is this going to be in the movie or is this just like a promotional thing? Yeah. Because um, it starts with with Paul Rudd's character in the ice cream aisle looking at some Baskin Robbins, which uh, is obviously a, just a product promotional tie in, but is also a fun nod back to his character in Ant-Man. Um I, oh, I because when, when he got when it. he got out of yeah. jail, he worked at the Baskin Robbins until right, they fired him right. because they found out that he had a criminal record. Right, um, right. So I, I, yeah. So it starts with that. Uh, he 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 grabs his pint of Jamoka, uh, <laughs> and I uh, and starts walking down the aisle, and we hear like a scream, and uh, like off in the distance, and he kind of brushes it off, which it's like, on the one hand, you're like, it sounds like somebody's in trouble, but on the other hand. 
that's how most of us would react, which is basically like, oh, yeah. that oh, yeah. that was odd. Yeah. It's definitely somebody else's problem, though. <laughs> like, like yep. and yep. not in like, I don't think in like the, the mean way of like, uh, I'm not dealing with that. But like in the in the I don't I am not I'm not qualified to deal with whatever's happening. So I should probably <laughs> just go about my business um, and not get involved. I love that um, you're articulating something that I've never quite been able to articulate because I completely understand that sentiment. Yeah. Where it's just like there's certain something that you're like, you know, like you hear a scream and then you're like, is there another scream? All right. No, yeah. someone dealt with it. Yeah, you, <laughs> like, ain't. you ain't. Yeah. Either 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 they have been devoured by a monster, <laughs> in which case I can't help or somebody else is dealing with it, in which case they don't need my help. Um yeah that is one of that is one of my greatest fears is is uh is being Being the person that screams and and then nobody comes to help no no being the person who has to help oh has to help help. yeah um because i will like i will if that if 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 that's the situation but like i don't want to (laughs) you know um but uh in any case he continues down the aisle uh and uh a little package is rustling and he goes over to inspect and it's a little, it's a little guy coming out of the stay puff marshmallow bag. And as they are dubbed officially, uh, it's a mini puffed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and then, and then we kind of cut to a whole, uh, a whole uh, uh, group uh, of mini puffs. I, uh, Engaging in very odd behaviors, uh, <laughs> roasting themselves over a barbecue, yeah, making themselves into s'mores, and so uh, and and then it ends on the the Ghostbusters logo, uh, and the little the little piano cue, uh, from from the first movie, the little sort of thing, um, and it's so perfectly creepy, and I love it, and it makes me very happy, and. Uh, there were a bunch of people who were really mad about it. Really? Did you see that online? No, that like there was a there was a bunch of people on like Twitter and so I mean it's Twitter. There's always somebody who's mad about it. I was gonna say, yeah. But it's just like I don't understand it. There were two there were two main complaints that I saw. One which is somewhat valid, but also like get off my lawn. I <laughs> uh, which is Oh, that, like, uh, can't they come up with something new? Why do they got to go back to all of this? Like, like you're just you're just retreading. And it's like, well, actually, I think well, that this is yeah. pretty different from a giant Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. <laughs> and I think it's kind of clever in that way. That's my personal take on it. Um, yeah. And then the other the other take that I saw that I found just perplexing was a bunch of people being upset that the little cartoon ghost marshmallows were engaging in quote unquote cannibalism. Now (laughs) I have two problems with this. First and foremost, none of them are eating one another. That's not happening in this clip. They are fulfilling their purpose as marshmallows, as mini marshmallows. And they're, they're roasting themselves and making s'mores with one another. Right? Like, that's what that's their purpose. They've been animated by by some supernatural force and their compulsion is to prepare themselves in the way that marshmallows are meant to be prepared. I don't see that as a weird or perverse thing. I see that as a very funny piece of dark comedy, right? Of them like like burning themselves alive. 
right? So much thought into this in a very like thoughtful way. Yeah. Um, the other, the other part of it, the, like the other part of it that I have a problem with is so what, who cares if they're eating each other? If that were the case, it's not, but who cares if it were they're cartoon ghosts, right? Like, I mean, they're not literally ghosts. And, and this is one of those things that I'll argue with people about on the internet. So the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man isn't a ghost. He's a manifestation of, of Gozer, uh, the destructor. But I, I, but I, I obviously don't pay enough attention to, to uh, Ghostbusters. You got to watch Ghostbusters again, yeah. obviously. Well, I do clearly. Um, but, but it's like, he's not technically a ghost, right? I, uh, he's, he is, he is literally a 60 foot marshmallow man. Um, but I, I, and these are literally little tiny marshmallow men. And that's, I, I think it's fantastic. I think if, if you are not to, I, this isn't me like gatekeeping or being like, Oh, if you're a real ghostbusters fan, but just like in the sense of like, if, if you care enough about ghostbusters that you paid attention to the clues in the first trailers, that that were really actually I think it's only been one trailer released. Um there's a there are a whole bunch of signs, in one case a very literal sign, so pun intended, that this goes back to Gozer, that this is somehow connected to the events of the first movie, um, in a very like a very literal way. And uh if that's the case, and Gozer is trying to get revenge in some way. Then manifesting little mini puffed marshmallow man to wreak havoc in a gremlins esque fashion is perfect. Like that, like to like that to me says I love gremlins esque fashion. I feel like that. It, 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 well, I mean, it, it's it paints a picture that's worth a thousand words, right? I think everybody who understands gremlins, who understands the reference, knows exactly what I'm talking about. And that's it. Like that was the vibe that I got, which like. It's 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 Jason Reitman directing it. Ivan Reitman's son. Ivan Reitman directed the first Ghostbusters, right? Um, I it, I have said from the beginning, like this is in the right hands. Like this is this is the Ghostbusters reboot sequel, etc. That that everybody wanted from the what, what year was that? Twenty sixteen the um what it's now referred to as oh, ghostbusters yeah, the, like, answer the call the the all-female one right? right yeah yeah yeah. um this is what everybody wanted from that which like and i was down with like oh if it's a spiritual successor if we're rebooting it and it's a like again pun intended spiritual successor then that then that's great the problem with that that iteration of ghostbusters is as f- much as it's a funny movie with some good comedic performances it it isn't a spiritual successor to Ghostbusters. It's almost, it's almost like a ripoff in a way, even though it's officially licensed. It's like, and <laughs> I said this at the time, it's like Paul Feig, like, like watched he, like he, they were like, Hey, you want to make this Ghostbusters movie for us? And he was like, yeah, yeah. I saw that movie in the eighties. And then they just went ahead and made a Ghostbusters movie based on what he could remember. Right. Like it's like, so it's like, well, they got the, they got the broad strokes, proton packs, ghosts, the car, it's Slimer. It, and they, then there was a lady Slimer, which I thought was a, well, like a fun way to do that is like, okay. Yeah. Like it's all female Ghostbusters. Let's have lady Slimer. Like all of that stuff made sense, but it was like, they didn't, they didn't catch ghosts. <laughs> 
They didn't do anything about that. They there tried wasn't... to catch a ghost. I they did, like they, they, used they do. Thing. They do technically catch the one ghost. They do catch the one ghost, but it's like this. The the thing about the original Ghostbusters, and that like the thing I said then, and the thing I will say now, and it's the reason why I have faith in this incarnation of it, or this 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 uh, revival reboot thing. Uh, with Ghostbusters Afterlife is that Ghostbusters on the surface is a very simple, very approachable concept, right? It's super easy to explain to somebody in one sentence what the Ghostbusters are. They are ghost exterminators. Like, and then we're done, right? They wear the jumpsuits. They got the brown jumpsuits. They got the tools to catch the ghosts and remove them from your premises. And everybody... (laughs) Everybody understands that like instantly, right? But then beyond that, Dan Aykroyd is a certifiable wacko, uh, to quote the original Ghostbusters. Uh, and the the lore and the actual like like in universe, it's what we always talk about with magic, right? It's like we always want magic to have rules or even sci-fi. Like if you're going to establish this stuff, it's like you have to have your rules and then you have to live by those rules. Right. And Ghostbusters does it so effortlessly with the most obnoxious expository dialogue ever, but delivered by these comedic geniuses who are able to like Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd are able to express these ridiculous supernatural concepts with like the 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 quickest like funniest mannerisms and and all that stuff that that just it just makes it so palatable right and that's to me where the magic of ghostbusters is is that like it starts on a very simple concept that everybody can understand and then it puts you into this very grounded very real world and then you have these larger than life personas take you on that adventure and 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 make you feel comfortable with this ridiculous jargon of like psychokinetic energy and pke meters and proton packs and <laughs> protonic reversal and don't cross the streams right like everything everything that happens in that movie is so such hard sci-fi concept mixed with supernatural like mythology and yet it's never patronizing or talking down to you or losing the audience, right? Like I feel you, like so much of, of the sci-fi in the 80s was like that, though, right? Yeah. Where, it like, was unapologetic. Can, I think that, yeah, was the, yeah, yeah. that was the key just, to like, it, right? Did it, yeah. Like, and, the, like Alien, the Aliens franchise, I can, yeah, like, absolutely. it's similar, right? Yeah, absolutely. Just, totally. Uh, within a like a very different type of genre within first a horror movie and then action but yeah like explaining those concepts of like (laughs) when they go onto the alien ship and they're like what was this guy i don't know he looks like some kind of navigator and you're just like it's like there's very little dialogue to explain the ship that they're on or what that big alien guy is but we kind of like you kind of just get it and then you figure out what the eggs are you figure out what the aliens are and it's all super fast and like acid blood so don't uh don't let it touch you and all that we can't just you know blow it up with a shotgun because we'll all get hit with acid blood right like I yeah love that the, that's it's how, how people work they're like just just blow it up 
Let's just yeah. blow it up. Um, but yeah, like to me, that 2016 version, it, it was, it was completely missing that components of it. Like the end, and it's so weird to me. Cause it's like the first Ghostbusters has it. The second Ghostbusters movie has it as well. Although it's not like the, I think the thing with Ghostbusters too, is that they just retread the same ground and not in that. Like they go back to story elements from the first one they literally just tell the same story again. They just have a different bad guy. So some stuff is different and some character moments are different, but like the larger beats are almost exactly the same. Um, right down to like, you know, like in the first movie, they get arrested because the, cause they, the, uh, environmental protection agency guy, Walter Peck, he, they come and they shut down the grid and the building explodes and he has them arrested. And, and then the mayor is like, no, give me the ghostbusters. And they, and then they come out and then they go and they save the day. Right. And then in the second one, the, the guy that works for the mayor has them committed because they, they're covered in the psychokinetic slime. So they're acting ridiculous. So he has them committed. And then the mayor is like, why did you have them committed? Get me the Ghostbusters. And then the Ghostbusters come and then the mayor says, go save the day. And then in the in the first Ghostbusters, the bad guy is a, is a 60 foot marshmallow man. And the second Ghostbusters, the good guy is the Statue of Liberty marching down the streets of New York. It's like, what? what? I do not remember these movies. I feel oh, really? like... I think I, I think like you it. need to rewatch the Ghostbusters movies. I think I think I do. I I, I will let I you do. in on a little secret. Kara absolutely loves Ghostbusters. As a matter of fact, tonight she is in her Ghostbusters pajamas. I uh, she loves the Ghostbusters. Like we've watched Ghostbusters one, I think probably about four times. Uh, and and like and the like the original the, Ghostbusters? the original Ghostbusters movie. Nice. I, I, and you know, like it, this, this kills me. I haven't, I don't have the, I don't know what it, what it is. I don't know. I, whatever it is, I'm lacking it to watch the, the most recent Ghostbusters movie with her, which I'm sure she will enjoy because have she's you never, not. Have you never watched it? No, no, I watched it. I've seen it the one time I saw it in the theater Oh, and okay. I, and I haven't watched it since. Um, and like, I can say good stuff about that movie is like one of the great things about it is that especially in that 3d experience in the movie theater, there's the, the moment, the first time that they use the proton packs, like to actually try and catch a ghost, the, the big green dragon ghost in the rock show or whatever. And they did this awesome thing where like the movie is presented in like an anamorphic widescreen format. So it's got the black bars on the top and the bottom, even in the movie theater, right? Because it's not 16.9. It's the the 1 to 2.4 or whatever it is. Um, and there are moments during the action sequences where the characters and the effects step outside of the black bars. And they, like, they use that as an added effect, which is really fun and awesome. And I haven't really seen anybody else do that in the movie uh, since then, which like I like it's but it's but that's more like Scott Pilgrim than it is Ghostbusters. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I remember like that. that's like a, yeah. that's like a cartoon comic book kind of effect um, I, as opposed to what I want from Ghostbusters, which is a grounded reality where these absurd things happen. Right. Because like the, the the thing with that final uh, set piece in Ghostbusters with the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man is that 
yes, things have been ridiculous up until that point. Slimer is ridiculous. The ghosts are ridiculous. Like the whole scenario of like, we're going to catch ghosts in a trap and put them into a big red box back at our fire hall is all pretty absurd. But the movie just kind of like amps up more and more as it goes it, to, to use an overused term, it raises the stakes. Right. But it also raises the absurdity level as the movie goes and we get to the end of it. And the only reason that the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man can work is, and why we buy it and why it can be scary, but funny at the same time without breaking the movie is that the movie is so grounded. The characters are so grounded um, and 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 like Peter Bankman and Dana Barrett are like such real people that when you get there and he's like, yeah, of course, a 60 foot tall marshmallow man. Right. Like it, you 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 just yeah. kind of, you go with it. Mm-hmm. But the problem with with the 2016 one is that it never it never grounds itself. It's cartoonish from the beginning and all the way throughout. So when we get the bad CG giant ghost the the like the ghost from the ghostbusters logo basically coming out and attacking it's like okay and it's not that it's bad it just carries no weight for for me like that's like that's my experience of it is that like to me it's like it just it's just empty and like that the whole movie is just kind of empty to me because it's like i say it's on the surface it's got everything you need for a ghostbusters movie but then I get to use more Ghostbusters analogies. It's like it's it's like a Twinkie with no filling, right? Like uh, all of these references I know are going way over say, your head. I was gonna say I don't know the Twinkie one. Is that a Ghostbusters analogy? Like it is, I've never. It is. It's a reference okay. to the first movie. Um, I. But yeah, it, it just like I don't know. I just the, actually it's even referenced in the um in that scene because as Paul Rudd is walking down the junk food aisle, he looks and he goes, "I think I think he says vanilla red velvet," and then he chuckles to himself, "Blue velvet," um okay. because blue velvet is also a movie. It's a, a, a um uh, what's his face the guy who made Twin Peaks, uh, David uh, something. Yeah, I, I, Blue Velvet is like I, yeah, it, you wouldn't want to oh. name your product Blue Velvet, but, um, uh, now I'm uh, upset that I can't remember his name. Uh, yeah, it's like on the tip of my tongue, David Lynch. You had there, the first half of it. Yeah, you, yeah, you did it. yeah. Um, I, we were both there. It's just you know, ten o'clock <laughs> at night. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but yeah, like, and and. The 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 joke there is like I I think he's referring to Twinkies because I think that there's a blue velvet, um, I like a like a blue Twinkie Ghostbusters tie-in of of like like they've got Twinkies because Twinkies are a part of the first movie like it's a joke in the first movie and so they've got like a Twinkie tie-in where it's like a blue Twinkie I think and I think the cream in the middle is supposed to be green so like Slimer. Um, but yeah, I, I, so yeah, I, which like, I, I'm sure it'll just taste like a regular Twinkie, but then I, I, man, I haven't had a Twinkie in a really long time. When's the last time you had a Twinkie? Oh, years. I couldn't like a tell decade, you. right? I couldn't tell you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, at least. I don't think I've had a Twinkie since I've been in Vancouver. But here's the thing. This is what promotional tie-ins work on me so well, because when I walk into a 7-Eleven and I see a Ghostbusters Twinkie, 
<laughs> I am absolutely buying a package of Ghostbusters because you get two Twinkies usually in the package, right? Yeah. I'm going to get that package of Ghostbusters Twinkies and I'm going to go home and Cara and I are going to have Ghostbusters Twinkies while we watch Ghostbusters. That's that's going to happen. There's there's no denying that's that. That's what the that's what the That's what they want. That, yeah, exactly. Um but I just because because I'm a 90s kid, I think. It's like that stuff just gets me. It's like, oh, if it was advertised in a comic book, I wanted it. <laughs> it doesn't matter how practical it was or how Were you the one were you almost going to buy the the um the like baby Yoda macaroons? Well, no, I so- would I mean like if they if they didn't get you were the one who was almost going to buy oh, them. Oh, maybe it was Maybe I'm Cuz I'm not spending $50 American on macaroons that have been frozen and shipped to me i mean, uh, no i don't even like macaroons so i would never do it but uh yeah um i love oh yeah no it was me because i'm like i love macaroons man yeah it Maybe was definitely was, you last time we sort of talked about like branded merchandise yeah and about like like snacks and treats and stuff and how it's like a very specific but i'll buy it specific. but but i will definitely buy like a two dollar i assume that twinkies are like two dollars or 2.99 or something like that for a little for a package of two twinkies i will definitely do that just so that Kara and i can eat weird blue twinkies with green filling uh and and watch a ghostbusters cartoon or something um and have that experience so that I can have a memory with my kid that she'll probably forget, but I'll be like, Hey, you remember that time? And she'll be like, leave me alone. I, when she's a teenager. Go to my room, dad. God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just, just like a random Tuesday night in the year 2030. And I'm just like, Hey, remember when we had those, those blue Twinkies. That was pretty great. Huh? And she's like, go away. I'm talking to my friends. And there's like holograms in the background. And I just, I, love it. I, just, I just slump away and, go and, and sit and plug my brain into a video game i i don't know i don't know what the future is oh, man that's the future man no yeah. it's i hear it look i uh, in in 1990 we thought that we would have hoverboards and uh, uh, Did we? uh rehydrating we pizzas and flying cars so uh, i don't know i mean some people thought that we were gonna have those i don't know if i did well back to the future too told us that we were gonna have them in 2015 and it's now 2021, and I still don't have a hoverboard, and I'm still really pissed off at Robert Zemeckis because it's his fault. It's fair. Uh, yeah. Uh, so Ghostbusters Afterlife. I, I don't. Know. I mean, I feel like we're on the right track with this movie. I don't want to get my hopes up too much because I I don't want to be just destroyed by it, but. If it's anything like Solo, which Solo was was written by uh, uh, Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote Return of the Jedi. He wrote Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. But it was it was co-written with his son, John Kasdan. Right. So um, uh, and Solo is my favorite Star Wars movie because it absolutely understands the subject matter from the perspective of a kid who loved star Wars and wants to tell a star Wars story. And I'm really hoping that ghostbusters afterlife in the same way with Jason Reitman, who is a fantastic filmmaker in his own right. I, 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 I want to believe that he wants to make, like he wanted to make this movie uh, to to I'll not like set things right, but just to be like, 
there's still life in this there. Like we can still tell stories with these characters in this world and don't let the, the, the flop because that, because the 2016 ghostbusters didn't go anywhere. Right. Like it just, it, it, there was no, the movie came out, everybody, it was a very big deal before it, was it like came out. like a one-off. Out. I feel like it was a one-off thing, right? Like, but it just, like, it happened, and then it was done, and then everybody just kind of went on with their lives, and I don't think that anybody was, like, upset that there was no sequel, right? I think, I'm, like, I, I, don't get me wrong, I'm positive that there are people out there who are, like, I liked those characters, I wanted to see more of that, and I definitely would have liked to have seen what they could have done with a second kick at the can and, and hopefully with a little, like learn from the first one and, and, uh, and, and course correct a little bit. Cause the, the second Ninja Turtles movie, the, of, of the newer ones of the, the, the Michael Bay produced ones, like the first one makes a lot of mistakes, but it also does some stuff. All right. It does enough, right. That when you get to the sequel, it's like they learned from their mistakes. They course corrected. They brought in Bebop and Rocksteady. They fixed the shredder. They fixed the look of the turtles as much as they could without completely retconning the way that they looked. Um, and I and, think it worked. Like, and the, the second, the second Ninja Tur- I, I, uh, Out of the Shadows is an awesome movie. Like, yeah. I love that Ninja Turtles movie. Uh, despite the fact that you know like there's still a little bit of whitewashing with splinter um (laughs) and uh and 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 i don't like the design of the turtles but i love the performances from the actors i mean we get rid of johnny knoxville and we have the same actor who performed leonardo on set doing the voice and i i i it's um alan richson plays Raphael, and i usually don't like raph but i really like him as Raph, I, I think that his performance in that second movie is fantastic. So it's like the, these, these things can be redeemed and it would have been nice to have seen that redeemed because I do like Kristen Wiig and, and uh, I, uh, my brain's blanking on the names of the other actresses that, that were in that. The Mike and Molly um, woman. <laughs> yeah. The Mike and Molly woman. Um Oh, uh, yeah. In any, you, you know, McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy. Yeah, and um, Kate uh, McKinnon. Kate McKinnon, and uh, and uh, oh my God, it's on the tip of my tongue. We're Leslie just Jones. Leslie Jones. We're we're too old to be doing this. I think. <laughs> I think it's time to hang up the podcast. Uh, the, the 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 the. I I think we're done. <laughs> we should sure. just retire into the sunset. Leave this to people in their twenties. Did we forget somebody? Isn't there four four women? Yeah, we just said four because I said Kristen Wiig first. Oh, did you? Oh, okay. She Kristen Wiig being the lead was the one that I remembered instantly, um, and because I really like Kristen Wiig, uh, and like I like Leslie Leslie Jones a lot as well. But the the other two, I yeah, you take her. Um, but I, yeah, like. I think that the group of them uh, and, and then, and then Chris Hemsworth was their secretary guy. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm actually like now upset about this, like thing that you've talked about where it's like, how come the ghostbusters, like it just sort of was this flash in the bucket. And it's like, because, because like, it just, because it was, it was hollow. Yeah. It right? was service. They didn't do it for any, like, like they really, if they had, put some care and attention into like actually giving a crap about what they're making and not just being yeah. like, let's do a female ghostbusters. Right. I don't, I, I don't, I don't attribute it to the actors. I attribute it to Paul Feig who I just, in all of the promotional stuff that he did for it, I got the sense 
that he just didn't respect the material. He was hired to do a thing, right? He was a, he was a name and they threw a bunch of money at him because he did bridesmaids, right? And 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 he put together a bridesmaids Ghostbusters movie. And on paper that sounds kind of interesting, but in reality it's like it just that's all it was. That's all it was was like let's take these actors from this other thing and let's put them in Ghostbusters uniforms and let's have Melissa McCarthy shoot the beam and get bounced around like it's a fire hose. And he, and I, I literally, I feel like he did that. And then he kind of just went done. We made a ghostbuster, right? Like, and, and, and to me, it's like that, that is a surface understanding of what the ghostbusters are. And I think that I do think that like the majority of the audience, that's how they feel about ghostbusters. But I do think that even when the majority of the audience walks away from Ghostbusters going like, that was fun. They caught ghosts. They fought a giant marshmallow man. Um, I do think that subconsciously when all of that other stuff is right, that that's why it goes beyond being a movie from the 80s that people kind of enjoyed to being a cartoon series and a serial and a theme song and like, and a, and a cultural phenomenon, like a moment in time, right. They, that persists now 30 plus years later. I mean, we're, we're, man, we're fast approaching in three years. We'll hit the the 40th anniversary. Right. So, wow. And Ghostbusters is still relevant. I mean, like, and, and yeah, there are misfires along the way and that sort of thing, but like, but when I say it's still relevant, I mean that like I can show it to my four year old in the year we watched it for the first time, I think last year, maybe maybe 2019. I'm a terrible father. Uh, I showed it to like a three year old. Um, she I have no concept. I, yeah, I was gonna say I have no concept of like children's ages. Is that a bad and thing? What's appropriate? Be, uh, yeah. Most parents would definitely say like how like how could you possibly do that? How could you show? Ghostbusters, a movie with a scary ghost librarian in the first five minutes of it. Scary ghost librarian, I love it. To to a three year old, to which I say, um, she loves it. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like she thinks it's great. Uh, we and we started with the cartoon. We watched we watched episodes of the cartoon first, so she kind of knew what she was getting into. But then it's like we sit there and go, "This is all pretend." You know, this is all pretend, right? So, yeah. And then Except we watched the movie. Spiders on her shirt right well that that was a miscommunication (laughs) that that you have to pay the 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 dollar or the ten dollars in order to hear that whole conversation that was from yeah that was from the the earlier from the 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 warm-up conversation right uh, our uncut conversation i but yeah that was that was a miscommunication it's not that she was afraid of the drawing of a of a spider-man spider logo on her shirt she thought i meant there was a literal spider crawling up her chest (laughs) so she flipped out that's a different thing. Like, like um, rightly, that's fair. Anyway. Yeah, I got what precipitated that part of the conversation is that I got spooked because an ant was crawling across my desk. Like, you know, it's it's a it's a natural response to to be afraid of of not afraid, but like to be jumpy around bugs. Um, but yeah, no I don't know. I go, Ghostbusters is deeper than than. Um, what it looks like it is on the surface. And I think that that depth is the key to its longevity. Um, and so 
it i i get the feeling from this new one that it that it has that depth whereas the 2016 one just it just kind of missed that it just it was a very funny movie i laughed my ass off in the theater um and had a really good time in the theater and then walked away from it and the more i thought about it the more i was like i don't think i liked that (laughs) which is a weird thing to say when you like you sit through the movie and you enjoy it it was like i don't I have no compulsion to ever watch it ever again. Um, yeah, that is. I mean, it's kind of a bummer. It is, and and to me, like that's the that's the reason why, like, I can't go back. Like, I like, I just can't. It's on Netflix or whatever. Like, I just can't bring myself to sit through it with Kara because I'm just like, this is just gonna bum me out. Like, I'm just gonna get. It's like watching Rise of Skywalker. It's just gonna upset me. And she hasn't. <laughs> she hasn't seen it yet. Because she's I never should, watched it. Yeah, she's I should never come over it. and just like offer to babysit so that I can come watch. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ghostbusters with Kara. Absolutely. Ghostbusters. That's, that's that sounds like a great plan. That sounds great. Um, I haven't seen you guys in so long. Yeah. Well, we are on the verge of everybody getting vaccinated, and so life can go back to at least somewhat normal. Um. But yeah. Anyways, Ghostbusters. I'm excited. November can't come fast enough. I I I love the Ghostbusters. I spent a ridiculous amount of money buying a, a vintage Ghostbusters proton pack off of eBay uh, nice. for a Halloween costume. But that was just an excuse to buy it because it was something I never had as a kid and Aww. desperately wanted. So I just I just bought it. That's fair. <laughs> I think I hey. spent like ninety dollars or something on it. It was ridiculous, but uh, totally worth it. And now Kara wears it. She plays with it. So I'll see that. That makes it worth it. Hey, I uh, am in the process of cleaning my house and I have the Indiana Jones hat that you gave me at one point in time. But just, you know, it's going to find a new home. Okay. I hope that that's okay. Okay. (laughs) I don't remember giving you an Indiana Jones hat. I have an Indiana Jones hat. I don't know if Kara wants an Indiana Jones hat, but I've got one from you oh she'll, she would definitely take it she's also seen all the indiana jones movies i'm right. she's seen all she, she hasn't seen all of the jurassic park movies she's seen the first jurassic park the lost world and jurassic world i haven't shown her jurassic park 3 yet um i think she could handle it now we were watching them we watched the jurassic park movies last summer um when she was still three she's four she's almost five now i think she can handle jp3 it's just a little bit scarier than the other ones i was i was was very scared by jurassic i was i remember having memories of not being able to watch jurassic park and being in the i had a friend who worked whose dad worked at the movie theater and being up in the projection booth and watching the end of jurassic park and just seeing those helicopters i feel like i've talked about this on the podcast before i think we have because because i i had to see jurassic park in the theater three or four times before I could right. work up the, the guts to watch the Tyrannosaurus Rex scene. The, the, when it breaks out of the, the fence. Right. We like, talked about, yeah, we, cause we talked about our ages, our collect, our like separate ages. Yeah. And I was like, I was like seven when that uh, seven or eight, when that, when that originally came out and yet Kara is able to, but, but it is also a very different experience sitting in a familiar environment at home with the lights on right. in the middle of the afternoon, watching Jurassic park than it is in the very dark theater uh, projected on the big screen. And I mean, like right. a big TV, but it's not as big as a big screen. So that's, they're, they're slightly different experiences, but, but Cara is the great thing about Kara is that she will just tell me when she can't handle it. And it's like, okay, we can stop. 
Um, but most of the time I'll like look over to her and she's scared during like an Indiana Jones movie during the parts that are scary, the parts that are like appropriately scary. And I'll be like, are you good? And she'll go, yep. And we'll keep watching it. And then at the end of the movie, it's like, did you like that? Was that fun? And you go, yep. And I'll, what about the scary parts? And she'll go, it was fun. So like uh, Temple of Doom, when there's the bugs, I, I, in that sequence, which is very scary. And then, then a person gets their heart ripped out of their chest and, uh, and the heart's still beating when it bursts into flame. I've shown this movie to my four-year-old, uh, uh, recently, uh, and I, I was saying like, while watching it, that was one of the movies where I like looked at her and this is happening. And and I'm like, are you good? And she was like, yeah. I was like, you want to keep going? And she's like, yeah. This is I like this. I like Indiana Jones. And and so we kept watching the movie. And afterwards, I was like, well, that was pretty creepy when that happened with the guy's heart. Right. And she was like, yeah, that was cool. <laughs> I'm like, OK, you're definitely my kid. Um, Yeah, we just we just kind of roll with it. She she's more than me because I can't I, I have a hard time with some of that stuff. So she's uh, I don't know. She's just a uh, she's 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 an incredibly media literate four year old, uh, which I'm very proud of. But I do think like a lot of other parents would be like, you are not a good parent <laughs> for showing this. Even like like friends, <laughs> like I I could they, they, I have conversations with Curtis where it's like, like we've definitely talked about like what we would and would. But before we had kids, we had conversations about this stuff, and and we had different opinions on it. Uh, and uh, I'm 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 very proud of myself that I've stuck to my guns and I've I've been as bad a parent as I said I would, um, and and I've shown these movies to small my victories kids. in life, small victories in life. I love <laughs> the worst thing is that Cassie is in the room when we watch these movies. Oh. She doesn't really pay attention; like she just kind of does her own thing. Like she's she, we watched um, Ant Man and the Wasp on the weekend, and I I and Cassie's just walking around the room grabbing stuffies and dancing with them and stuff and you're just like you don't this is not but i also is it in, in their personalities like i don't think that cassie is gonna is gonna sit and watch movies with me in the way that cara does she oh, just okay. has a very different personality in that way where like cara and i could sit for four hours and watch or probably longer and like an afternoon and watch like three or four movies uh or like two or three three or four movies um before she would be like, let's go do something else. <laughs> but I, I, but with Cassie, it's like, you can't get Cassie to sit still at all. And I, at, at the age that Cassie, cause Cassie's approaching too. I had taken Kara to movies on our own several. I mean, I think I've talked about this as well. Like I took her to the Muppet movie when she was like a year old and the Muppet movie is a slow movie it's fantastic and I love it. And it can't be, you can't really consider it that slow because at any given point in that movie, there are puppets on the screen. I, they're not puppets. They're Muppets. It's disrespectful. I shouldn't say I shouldn't speak that way. I, uh, but, but like, like at any point in time in that movie, there is definitely a green frog man talking <laughs> on screen. So, you know, when you're a year old, I think that that, manages to keep your attention to a certain degree but it is a very slow movie it's not it's not like a modern muppet movie where it's like there's kind of a joke a minute like it's a it's and some of the jokes are a little bit more head scratcher jokes than than in modern stuff but 
but yeah, she sat through that movie and it wasn't until like the last 15 minutes that she started to get antsy. And I just took her out of her seat, her shoes in her stroller for it and put her in my lap. And she just sat in my lap and finished watching the movie. And it was like, okay. Um, I just, but I feel like you put a lot of time and intention into like grooming her to watch movies with you. Cause I remember you like, yeah, definitely. But I, but like I, I have attempted to do the same thing with Cassie and it's just like, not going to happen. <laughs> it's just like, no. Um, because I just, I, I just think like it just, there's something in her personality that she's just not as interested in sitting and watching even a, a short TV show. Um, she wants to, even when it's something that she likes, like she really likes Mickey Mouse clubhouse. Uh, it's very cute when you ask her to say, Oh, toodles which is the thing that they say on that show. Mickey Mouse Clubhouse is like Blue's Clues where it's like, it's, it's like interactive. Um, Like there's call outs and stuff. And one of the things is like, we got, Oh, we got to get toodles over here. Everybody say, Oh, toodles. And Cassie goes, Oh, toodoo. And it's adorable. And it's the greatest thing ever. I, but she's doing that. She's like, she's stopping what she's in the middle of doing to, to, to say, Oh, Oh, toodoos. Uh, uh, so it's very cute, but, but she doesn't, it's not like she sits unless she's very tired. It's not like she sits and like, is like zoned in like Kara, like with Kara, it's a bit of a problem sometimes. (laughs) Okay. No more TV today. Um, no more screen time, but yeah. I, you want to talk about mighty ducks now? Do I man ghostbusters and mighty ducks. It's a good podcast today. Yeah. I feel like. Everything yeah. from when we were kids is 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 just being brought back and it couldn't be better. And yeah. thankfully, a lot of it's actually good. I mean, like there's also some some real stinkers, but I. Yeah, I, 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 I just watched the first episode tonight. All I'm going to say right now, and then I'm, I'm going to let you take over. and You can talk about it for a bit is uh, it's phenomenally well written and I loved it. Uh, Yay. I absolutely loved it. So, so you you take it away. You g- g- give me your thoughts. I don't know if I I don't know if I talked a little bit about it last week. Um, so I did try to turn it on again today, and then I was like, no, I'm gonna watch John Oliver instead. So I almost watched the second episode, but I didn't quite yet. Those are so two I, very different flavors. They are. I was <laughs> I, I I was. That's like I almost ordered uh, hamburgers from McDonald's, but then instead I decided to get uh, Mediterranean food. Yeah, you know. <laughs> it's like uh, uh, okay it's a bit of a left turn I, you were for you until you until you start it anyways i the moral of the story is i wound up not watching the second episode um but the first one i think i had chatted a little bit that i feel like there's enough nostalgia in the essence of how it's written. So exactly. We were talking, I guess maybe this was in the pre podcast. We were talking a little bit about like stuff that has like, like the flavor of something like John, John Hughes era type yeah. stuff. And I feel like there's like a, like a, like a, like a texture to, to media like that. And it's really doing a great job of, I think being really wholesome in a nineties sort of, or eighties or nineties way. And it's, a, it's like definitely nineties. Cause I, I, I just watched, the instead of watching game changers which is the new series a little while ago i decided to watch the first two movies oh Um, nice and the first movie is the quintessential 90s disney movie it is everything that a 90s disney movie 
is supposed to be. It's like you've got your representation, you've got uh, quirky kids, you've got a reluctant adult figure who has to hang out with these quirky kids who grows to love them by the end. Yeah, yeah, you've yeah. got some sort of an anthropomorphic animal involved. <laughs> Wait, it well, yeah, the duck logo, like the, they're the mighty ducks, and then they quack, and it's the flying bee, right? Like, like there's a motif there. It's Disney. Um, yeah, you've got the the Obi Wan Kenobi mentor in there that that helps uh, the adult find their way. Uh, there's a there's a moral to it of like <laughs> that someone's divorced. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> the yeah, 90s. yeah. You know, you got latchkey kids. Like it's it's it is quintessential latchkey. Disney nineties. Oh man, um, what if I took the boxcar? I was thinking about this the other day because I got stuck behind a train because yeah. I was in small town Canadiana and I was so angry and I was like, why is this traffic stopped on this rural road for no reason? Obviously, it was a train. But remember that like boxcar kids? No, I don't. Series? I don't remember that. Okay, well then that's the end of this car. Sorry. That usually that's the usually our roles are reversed on that where I'm like, hey, you know that thing? And you're like, nope. And it's like, cool, moving on. Um but yeah, and then I watched uh, uh D2, The Mighty Ducks, which is the sequel, and it is the quintessential 90s sequel of like everybody's back, except for a few characters who we never really explain why they're not back. But that's okay. <laughs> they're just not back. I uh, and but I uh, it's been a couple of years and these kids have all aged substantially, but we're going to pretend like this is the next hockey season. Just a little bit. Yeah. Just a like little no bit. time has passed. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to be way edgier and way cooler and more radical. And we're going to use a lot of neon in this one. And, <laughs> uh, and, and that's exactly what they do. And then they just tell the same story again, but, uh, but with this slight twist and, uh, instead of just the crazy slap shot from Fulton, it's the knuckle puck. So I'm waiting to find out what the knuckle puck slap shot crazy thing will be in uh, in Game Changers. But uh, they like we haven't even gotten a hint of it yet. But that's okay because it's a series. So it's got to be something. That's I've taken over again though. I want you to talk about it. Well, I did talk about it. <laughs> this podcast is mostly me just saying every like things now and then, and then you being able to talk about about yeah. about it more. So, but that's I mean, but that's that's the stuff that I like about it. And I did watch so just the I watched I did like I I straight on did like start the episode today, and then I was like hard turn. But like in the second episode, the I don't know the names of any of the kids yet, but like yeah, the little kid the podcast guy is yeah. like my new and soon to be best friend and i'm kind of like just like that kind of vibe i don't know what you thought about those two kids like the the like sort of like nerdy next door neighbor i just think that uh, he, that kid is a genius it's so great he's so good he's so good the podcast kid he's so good his timing is impeccable that yeah. first one when we're first introduced not we first introduced him because he's like the first character that speaks but um after the 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 whole thing the blow up that happens at the hockey game and then they go back and lauren graham's sitting on her porch and then he's the next door neighbor and he's and he looks over and he's like uh you're interested in the follow-up interview and she's like no and he's like i hear you i'm on my way over and it's just like <laughs> yeah. his his timing on that moment is so perfect that you're just like i love this kid i just love him i love yeah, his little like his plucky go-getter attitude is fantastic uh and uh and he's kind of the perfect 
he's the perfect pairing with the other lead the the other little boy like the main character yeah, like the other main character's got a real josh jackson vibe to him which yeah. i kind of like like about being like the, the kid who's like loves his mom and is is cool in his own right but doesn't need to try too hard which i kind of yeah. like i kind of like that there's like a cool he's got a cool grounded feel to him and then i absolutely love the rich kid that doesn't know how to skate it shows up part way through yeah it's a great I just, joke i just think that they've got a great like the you know that it's like the whole thing is it's about the like plucky kids coming together and well and they have personality it. right and you look at the, yeah. the 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 i love that they've made it like the that the mighty ducks are now the hawks from the first movie right they're right. they're the they're right. the 10 time champs and and the kid gets cut from that team and i uh, i and then they form this new team and this new team is basically the district five uh the ragamuffins right like it's this this uh uh uh, little rascals group of uh uh personalities right each each kid is a specific thing (laughs) right and uh yeah i i i I love it i think they've done a great job of capturing what made the mighty ducks special which is really just a remake of the bad news bears but um without all the swearing and and alcohol See, i've never seen i've um, never seen the bad news bears you know i've never actually watched the bad news bears all the way through either but i've seen enough of it and know it sort of pop culturally to to know that and it's like but bad news bears is kind of the generation before us right um and and right. the mighty ducks were our bad news bears so it's uh, like we don't need to go back and watch bad news bears because we have the ducks That's uh, fair. It's, That's fair. so it's much superior um superior well, hey, look, the Bad News Bears didn't didn't end up becoming an actual baseball team uh, owned by Disney uh, with a with an awesome jersey, and then an animated series that has nothing to do with the original property or the hockey team in Anaheim, but is in fact about alien ducks that come to Earth uh, from a planet where hockey is the way that everybody communicates, um, and also the way that they fight. So they have weapons that are based on hockey equipment. Uh, which all makes perfect sense um, because it was the nineties. So that's just, that's just how we made how cartoons. How it works. Uh, uh, the mighty ducks cartoon was fantastic, by the way. Uh, I know I, that you've talked, you've talked about it a couple of times. Yeah. It's in that I mean, era. It's like, it's like with gargoyles and uh, goof troop. Oh, it's yeah, a Disney like afternoon the, show. Right. And the class. Yeah. There's I, but I even, yeah. I don't know. I don't have that many cartoons that I really, I really like watched as a kid, but I do remember Gargoyles for sure. And Gargoyles is, is one of the greatest animated TV shows of all time. It's, I would say Gargoyles is almost one of the best TV shows ever. We don't have it yet. What do you mean? Like, I'm I'm surprised, like as a reboot, like I'm surprised that they haven't touched gargoyles is a whole thing it's a whole thing so yeah the there's um man gargoyles is like an episode we could do a whole episode on it (laughs) um but yeah uh, greg weissman created gargoyles for disney and and they made the show and and he wrote the first like hundred and something episodes of it um and then he has this tendency to get kicked off of his own shows. Oh, uh, it's a bit of a recurring thing with him. But if you hear him tell the stories, he's always in the right. It's interesting how that works. Um, 
because he was also one of the lead writers on the first season of Star Wars Rebels. And then he just kind of unceremoniously left that show. And nobody really talks about why, but that's fine. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. But uh, all of that to say that he is he is a genius and a fantastic writer. And 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 uh, I, I the reason why Gargoyles was so great. Um, because they like they they booted him and then they made another season without him basically and that season without him is not great um it uh it kind of loses a lot of the magic that uh, that made the rest of gargoyles so great but um there are some issues with rights i think and that's why they're not able to make any more gargoyles but it's it's on disney plus the the series is on disney plus oh i don't think i knew that and there's merch coming out what so like like new stuff so that there's a there's a f- series of figures called q pops um that they're they're kind of like funko pops they're not made by funko they're made by another company but are not q pops they're q figs um and i actually have one i have a i have a superman one that's in in car and cassie's room i uh, and they're like these great little like animated sort of it's actually very similar to the style that I draw in where it's kind of like the big head cartoon sort of look. Um, and they did a gargoyle. They did a Goliath of that. They did Funko Pops of the gargoyles of of, of the whole group of them, the whole clan of them. Um, Cassie, or sorry, Kara actually has Lexington. That's that's her favorite of the gargoyles because <laughs> he's the little green one. So he's cute. Um, I don't, I'm like, really, he's cute. Cause that's what she said to me. She's like, he's the cute Aww. one. And yeah. I was like, really, you think he's cute? Cause I think like they all, they're gargoyles. They're all kind of grotesque. Right. But she's like, no, he's, he's the cute one. So um, not to go too dark. Yeah. The main gargoyle dude's jacked and is not in any way grotesque. Like, come on. Sure. Those sure. Gargoyles a beauty, yeah, absolutely. In a very literal Beauty and the Beast way, because there's the one episode where it's Halloween and the gargoyles go down to the street and like mingle with humans, and and uh, uh, Aliza is dressed as Belle, as like a literal like nod to the fact that they are romantic. Like those two characters are. You are not wrong to ship Eliza, Eliza Maza, and Goliath. Uh, that's that's actually the intent that's that's in the text uh <laughs> you're supposed to feel that way yeah. about those characters i mean Wait, they, is they... Not explicit isn't it like explicit oh it is explicit at a certain point okay, at a certain okay, point okay, absolutely okay, okay. but uh but yeah oh, uh, if you've only seen like a handful of episodes well. i don't know yeah um they... But they but they've got all got like little horns and stuff like that, and I think I personally think that out of all of them, Lexington has kind of the creepiest face. <laughs> uh, but but Kara disagrees with me. She says that he's cute. That's um, but yeah, yeah, and and they've got it. They've got a new. Uh, uh, who's making it? I think maybe it's Neca is making this really really detailed, beautiful figure of Goliath that I. Uh, uh, hell or high water I'm going to get my hands on because it is everything that eight-year-old Mike wanted out of a Gargoyles action figure. Like it is, yeah, he he doesn't look hunky. He looks like a monster <laughs> in really? an awesome way. Um, it's a beautiful looking figure and I can't wait. And th- th- they did do a really cool like 
like $300 statue a few years back, but that was like a, it was really weird when they did that. Cause it kind of just came out of nowhere. Uh, that I think maybe it was sideshow or something made this cart. Like, but I I agree with Kara. He's cute, the little green one, right? Yeah, uh, he's cute, but he's also like he's got like the underbite, like it, yeah, you know, he's a little bit. Anyways, yeah, I they I would love a Gargoyles reboot, but 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 it's just is it politics that it's not happening? Is that? basically what you're implying i think it's i think it's politics more than anything and i think one of the other things is that anybody who understands gargoyles knows that like you can't just reboot it um they they like it has like this really interesting deep rich mythology to it and that's all that's all greg weissman so if you're gonna make gargoyles you kind of have to make it with him Right. But okay. then kind of what I was alluding to is like, I think he might be a little bit difficult to work with. I'm not, I'm kind of talking out of school a little bit because it's not like anybody yeah. has ever like gone on the record and said he's difficult to work with. I'm just kind of reading between the lines that I think that he is very much like. What's his name? Sorry, Greg Weissman. Greg Weissman. Yeah. I, 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 here's what I think it is. And I respect him for it. He has a vision and he doesn't let the corporations that he ends up working for push him around on that. He's like, no, this is my vision. And I think what ends up happening there is they end up going like, cool, cool, cool. But we own the thing. So we're going to do what we want, which is more about the corporation than it is about him. Um, But uh, yeah, I I don't, I would love to see it and I would love to see him come back and, uh, and, and kind of be redeemed and, and uh, uh, correct the injustice of him getting booted off of his show that he made a success along with other writers and along with the, the, uh, the, the voice actors and everything. But yeah, I would love to see it. I would love to see more gargoyles, but I would want to see a continuation. I would want to see them pick up, I uh, 30 years later, um, with, you know, like the new clan and everything and have, have the old characters come back, uh, in different ways and, and, uh, and 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 catch up with everybody and see what's happened in the interim because the great thing about doing that is that then you also imply that there's a bunch of stories in the middle that we can go back and tell in comic books or uh whatever format but i'd also really like to see live action it would be really cool instead of it being animated for them to just retell the original series but in live action on disney could because the special effects are at such a place that you could just do that yeah, I think with with the volume, like with the stuff that that they've that they've built for the Mandalorian, uh, you could do some really cool stuff. You could do some really really cool stuff. Uh, okay, so this is like a real big detour, but I have if you could adapt one property, like because I've been thinking about this a lot. Like, there's a lot of people that I'm like, how do you just get? the ability to adapt properties that have existed forever. And it's like people just pitch, right? They pitch the properties and they're like, yeah. I am the right voice for this property. And it can be anything. It can be comic books. It can be, what would be the property that you would be like, you know what? I want to do this property. It's a little bit late uh, for it to be, I, I, I like the market doesn't really care about vampires anymore, um, but we could always bring it back. This could be the thing to do it. But yeah, I, I, there's a, my favorite comic book of all time, uh, Crimson, which is about uh, I, I, a kid in New York who becomes a vampire. Vampires attack him and his girlfriend. 
uh, and uh, uh, do they kill? I, maybe they don't kill his girlfriend. She gets away, and he gets Humberto turned into a vampire. Ramos. Humberto Ramos, yeah, is the the artist, uh, uh, cool. and uh, uh, Brian Augustine, I think, is the writer. Um, yeah, Crimson is my favorite comic book of all time. It starts off on this this really like small story of this kid who gets turned into a vampire. Um, but then it like as the story progresses, it turns out that he's the chosen one and he's kind of like he he has these other abilities that other right. vampires don't have. Namely, like he can control like he's a pyromancer, basically, on top of being a super powerful vampire that can like rip through people. And is a pyromancer uh, somebody that can control fire, fire. OK, fire, yep. yeah. Um, and then there's this other like I I. Uh, the spirit of St. George, the dragon slayer is like reincarnated in people over the, the, the eons. And, and that ends up being a main character uh, in, in the story. And I, uh, I, I, uh, the red hood who like, she's a vampire slash werewolf hunter, but she actually is a werewolf herself, which is <laughs> awesome. And she like, they're the, the, the red hoods uh, is like the, the faction that she belongs to, but it's obviously a reference to red riding hood. Um, and Dude. it, it builds in all of this biblical stuff with Lilith and, uh, Adam and Eve and, and where vampires came from tying it into the Bible. And it all kind of culminates in this, uh, like this, uh, literal apocalyptic, like the, like end of days, Armageddon ending. Mm-hmm. And, and the whole thing is that Alex, it, it's his job to stop it from happening. Um, and, and the gate opens and dragons come out and St. George has to fight dragons and the dragons are awesome. And it's, it is. Yeah. It's my favorite comic book series of all time. It's fantastic. It's phenomenal. Not enough people know about it. Um, yeah. I've never it, heard of it. But I mean, that's 24 cool. issues. It was very short lived, but it's a complete story. And I think that you could make uh, a fantastic HBO series out of it. Um I think that's the, that's the place where it would live or Netflix. Netflix could do it too, but I think HBO would, it's very graphic. It's very violent. And uh, then there's definitely some, some uh, heavy sexual themes in it as well. Um, uh, Cause there's vampires and whatnot. Uh, uh, there's a lot of half naked ladies with very large breasts. Uh, <laughs> Cause it's a comic book from the late nineties. Um, uh, there are reasons why it appealed to, to how old was I? 15 year old. 14 or 15 year old Mike. Um, I, yeah, I would love to do that. The other, another comic book from that era that I think would be really cool is a comic called fathom. Uh, but I would want to do that as an animated series. I think that that, because it's fathom is about, I, I, (laughs) a woman who doesn't realize that she's got superpowers, uh, because she's actually like basically an Atlantean. Um, and, uh, and, and can, like kind of control water yeah and and travel through water at like a ridiculous speed and the way that michael turner would draw her uh, when she was doing this is like basically her bottom half was like would like turn into water um and she's got all these special powers and it's this huge like sci-fi fantasy uh setting that but it's all on earth but it's like this it's like atlantis basically underwater and it's got a really cool art style to it that i think you could you could bring to life um in a very cool stylized uh cg type series although i mean like invincible is doing a really great job with 2d animation but i i 
I would want to do it in 3D because I think you could do some really cool stuff with 3D. So that that would be my other thing. Um, cool. That's a that that one is is probably even more of a real one because I think that 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 could be a real series that with a bit more of a, a broader appeal because it wouldn't be like an HBO adult thing. Right. Um, because you could kind of tone that you could tone Fathom down for like a PG audience, PG thirteen. Um. So you know, if if you ever come upon the the ability to pitch that uh, at work, there you go. Uh, I'm I'm available to it's, to show on that one. No, I I'm I'm pleased. <laughs> I just I mean, mainframe would be a great fit. Right. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. Good. Get back to doing the cool stuff that they were doing with uh with reboot back in the day and yeah. uh, and Beast Wars and uh, uh, Shadow Raiders and stuff those i mean they can't sneak anything... in those awesome adult storylines in the package of a toy tie-in anything made now without toy tie-ins yeah that's the that's the that's the thing you gotta yeah. find those toy tie-ins so yeah um saga needs to be adapted not that that's something that it I will would, it will but it's, like, it's like i don't understand how it's not adapted yet though, look too, like, all true. of brian k vaughn's stuff is is so easily adapted um and yet it has been such a long road for any of it to come to fruition. But why the last man is happening, uh, as is ex machina. And I believe ex machina is happening with Oscar Isaac. I'm, I'm pretty sure oh. that he's the lead in, in ex machina. Um, and that's, go to the I, IMDb. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know enough about Brian K. Vaughan. Uh, well, so Humberto Ramos is my favorite comic book artist. Brian K. Vaughan is my favorite comic book writer. Cool. Uh, uh, Oh, he did X- Runaways. Yeah, he did Runaways. And Ex Machina is, uh, uh, I guess Oscar Isaac was already in a movie called Ex Machina. Uh, man. Let me look it up. Ex Machina comic adaptation. I didn't spell adaptation right. It'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah oscar isaac to produce a star in adaptation of ex machina this is from january 18th 2020 um which is really funny because he's already in a movie called ex machina but uh <laughs> movie ex machina yeah um uh, five years ago star wars star oscar isaac headlined alex garland's acclaimed ex machina now he'll take the lead role in another film that very nearly had the same name an adaptation of comic book writer Brian K. Vaughn's Ex Machina. But I think they're, yeah, they're going to change the title to The Great Machine, um, which is the name of the superhero that they, it, from Ex Machina. But the comic book was called Ex Machina. Um, wow. Yeah. He's uh, been doing, he's been doing this for a long time, but that's, that's like an older, like it's from 2005. Yeah. yeah so here's the pitch on Ex Machina. And this will be the last thing and then we'll wrap up the episode. Here's the pitch on Ex Machina. I, it starts on September 11th. The story starts on September 11th. Uh, and the, the, the first plane I think hits the first tower, but then the second plane doesn't because the lead character, the great machine, uh, he, his ability, his superpower is that he can talk to machines. So in this alternate reality where he exists and has this ability, he flies up with his jetpack and uh, like his rocketeer style jetpack, and he tells the plane to move, like to 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 go out, like to not hit the second the second tower. 
So, uh, so in this alternate reality, the second tower is still standing and, uh, and, and that, that plane never hit and uh, all those people are saved. And, uh, and then a few years later, a few years after that, he ends up becoming the mayor of New York as a result, basically. And then, and then all this crazy stuff starts happening um, related to his, his previous superhero career. And, uh, and he has to kind of balance sorting this out. And cause he kind of says like, I'm, I'll never be a superhero again, sort of thing. Um, and so he has to balance that with like, but he's also the only one that can stop these people from doing the bad thing that they want. I, so yeah, that's kind of, that's the pitch on, on ex machina or as it'll be called the great machine. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, like, I think at this point, everybody knows Oscar Isaac, I'm in, uh, my, (laughs) one of my favorite comic book series of all time by my favorite comic book writer. I'm in like, that's, it's, these are, is he Canadian? Because I'm just looking like Fiona Staples is Canadian. The, the person like that works on Saga with him. Yeah. Um, I I don't, I don't remember if Brian K. Vaughn is Canadian or not. Um, Wikipedia is misleading because it says um, him and his wife and then something from like Toronto or from like Ontario. And I'm like, wait, so is it him or his wife that's from Ontario? Vaughn and his wife, a native of Ottawa, Ontario, Canada and playwright, playwright live in Los Angeles and have two children. So it's like Vaughn and his wife, a native of Ottawa, Ontario. So I'm like, wait, is his wife the native of Ottawa, Ontario? Because why would you put that in a... Well, okay, but also, see, you got to use more than just the 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 paragraph written on Wikipedia. If you look at his little profile section, born Cleveland, Ohio, so he, he's his American. His wife is Canadian, then. His wife is Canadian. Yeah. It's so weird. It's such a weird way to put, to put that. Anyways, yeah. Well, be honest, it's Wikipedia. It's from Canada, which is which I think. Um, is so he's his saga has like a Canadian like history yeah i I, yeah i saga will eventually get adapted somewhere along the lines uh i'll bet you anything but okay everybody uh earmark this episode uh Mm -hmm. somebody somebody write this down somewhere i bet you anything that saga will be an animated series on amazon prime within the next five years interesting Um, i I feel like it's not bold enough to do it animated i feel like they should try to do a live action version of saga i think that the budget to do that series live action would be so astronomical (laughs) disney is the only one who could do it and disney will not do that because there are a lot of genitalia in saga That's fair. That's and fair. not like, yeah, not in like a, ooh, that's sexy kind of way. In time, at times, like in a very like, oh, wow, I kind of wish I didn't see that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Intentionally. I mean, like, because there's one moment where there's just like a giant monster alien guy and you just, I believe it's blue and uh, it's just yeah. unsettling. It's unsettling. Uh, yeah. Uh, Saga this is the thing with all of Brian K. Vaughn's stuff it's like all of his stuff starts really great and then just kind of like fizzles as it goes He's he just can't stick the landing he just can't stick the landing so like Why the Last Man fantastic series I have all of like the hardcover 
uh the like like the big uh oversized edition hardcovers of it um i've never read the last two volumes because like i have them they're sitting on my shelf i've just never read them because it's like well if i was going to read them now i'd have to go back and i'd have to read all through all of it and i don't want to read through all of it because i know where it goes and it's just not satisfying by like the point where i dropped off <laughs> it's like and it's like well there's an ending to it but it's like yeah I don't know if I can be bothered. <laughs> um, and then with Ex Machina again, it's like it go it, it the both series went on too long to the point where it's like where you're like, dude, wrap it up, like get to the point, like well, like where are we going with this? Um, so I've actually I've never finished either series, despite the fact that I own the complete sets and love them. Uh, but that's Brian K. Vaughn, and I just accept that. I just ex- and and Saga, I have like. I've got like eight issues. I'm probably more than that. I've probably got like 10 or 11 issues. They're on a high on a hiatus right now. Um, and, and like, he's not, they haven't said when they're going to come back and finish it, but, but it's like, I'm like, yeah, I'm fine with that. Cause at the point where I, where I was at, it's like, I, you guys, you're not getting to the point. And as much as I enjoy these characters, like I also kind of don't to a certain degree, cause they're kind of, they're a little bit obnoxious at times. Um, and you're also just kind of like, where are we going with this? Where, like, what does any of this mean? Um, but that's Brian cave in a nutshell. And I love his stuff. And every time he starts a new series, I'm right there with it. Uh, until he loses me. And then I go, yep, you did it again. Um, but he does have a few things. Like there's a great book called the escapist, which is just, it's just a graphic novel. Like it's just a one volume self-contained story that's fantastic and it's like i don't know why that hasn't been adapted yet either but yeah i mean i think i answered my own question i think that's why brian k vaughn stuff is so hard to adapt because anybody who wants to make it's like well it's gonna be a hell of a first season (laughs) and then we're gonna lose people around season three and uh that's where you game of thrones it and you just make your own yeah well although maybe don't do that because nobody that didn't go over so well yeah. Man, anyways, yeah, we don't we don't have to get into that, but just what a what a no. zeitgeist for a very particular point in time, and then just fell off the face of the planet. I love that you were like, like, what, like, like, let's throw this out there. What stuff would we adapt, and everything that we put out were comic book series, uh, which yeah. I think well, is- I mean, mine is mine is Pride and Prejudice. So oh, I thought not- Saga was yours. Okay, so Pride. I, Pride- no, my, Saga was the comic book series that I'm kind of like. How has this not been adapted? Because you were talking yeah. about comic book series, but no, I like. I'm thinking now that I want to go and find a series like Gargoyles or something like that, where I'm like, this could be so. Because I'm getting more into animation right over the last yeah. few years, and I'm like, there are just so many like going to conferences and listening to people adapt stuff, and I'm like, man, I could do that. Like, I would love to do that to like take something from the '90s that really spoke to me and just be able to like redo it. But in my heart of hearts, the series that like just I love every single adaptation I've ever read of Pride and Prejudice and not because they're good. Some adaptations are absolute garbage, but because there's just something about that story that I intrinsically just get. That I, I was, like. I was going to say, you know, yeah. Cause Pride and Prejudice has never been adapted. So it's a good one to choose. I know. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Which is why, which is why I'm like, it's not as interesting as like, wait, them. I have a genius idea. What if we did Pride and Prejudice, but we added zombies to it? Whoa. I bet no one's done that. Uh, I think Pride and Prejudice has been done to death. Yes. Uh, and yeah, it's no. time to move on. Well, sure. 
but I like I people I will still read them all. I'll read them all. I would love to do some Shakespeare stuff, like to adapt from some Shakespeare. I actually uh, really want to tell a version of um, King Lear from Cordelia's perspective, but I know that that like anytime you try to do that, I actually had this terrible thought. Okay, now I'm just diver- diverging, where I wanted to make a superhero series where it's all Shakespeare characters, and I'm excited, and I've started it. None of the men make very good superheroes. Yeah, all the female characters in in Shakespeare are way better. Than the men, because all of the men are whiny babies. Can I can I tell for, you something about gargoyles? For Macbeth, that would be the best. He would be the best villain. The, him gar- and gargoyles Macbeth. gargoyles turns a bunch of Shakespearean characters into characters in gargoyles. You no, know I, that, right? No, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> like wow. Mac, Macbeth is a main character. What? Yeah, yeah. Like he's one of the main antagonists of the entire series. Yeah, I remember the, this. Then. The the. Back of my brain or something. The the um oh, what are they called in in Midsummer Night's Dream? The like the the fairy people, right? Yeah. Like yeah. like Oberon and and, and yeah, and Puck. Puck, like they're all characters in what? in Gargoyles. Amazing. That's the mythology that he built around those characters. It's like the Gargoyles are kind of his own thing. The stone by day, warriors by night, that whole thing. It, like that's his. But then. It it then blends it with Arthurian legend and Shakespeare. Nice. And like that's the mythology of gargoyles. And I uh, that's why gargoyles is awesome because it's like these three things come together in this very weird way and Disney made it. And you're just like, huh? What? <laughs> and it was a like it was a it was a Disney afternoon series. Like it, it, it gargoyles should not exist it shouldn't exist it by all accounts like that yeah i like that we brought it full circle uh we talked about shakespeare there go always we went on a crazy tangent um yeah i think that's it i think i think we're good i think we did it nice we did it sounds good i well thanks everybody for listening we'll be back with another episode of the thunderquack podcast in a couple of weeks but I'll be back next week. Uh, you'll get two episodes of me next week. If you are uh, a, a Patreon supporter at $5 uh, or above, because you'll get off the record, which is my, the solo one that I do where I kind of go off a topic uh, that's uh, uh, given to us by, by Patreon supporters. And then, uh, and then I'll be back with Carl with another episode of metaphysical fiction. I think, I think the plan is to do Wanda, not WandaVision, but to do Wanda Maximoff because we're going kind of character by character. So I I think that that's our plan for the first episode is to do Wanda. Um, But uh, yeah, so I'll see you guys next week. And, uh, and, and Amanda, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Stay safe, everybody. Wash your hands and be kind to one another. Follow the Thunderquack Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching the Thunderquack Podcast. You can support us in three ways. First, by heading to the podcast service of your choice and leaving a rating and review. Second, by going to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch from your favorite podcasts. And last but not least, by heading to patreon.com slash thunderquack to kick in with your monthly pledge of support and get cool rewards like early access and extended episodes. The Thunderquack Podcast is the official podcast of thunderquack.com. 
Head to thunderquack.com to discover more great podcasts.